All right, you ready for the word? Cool. Uh, We are going to finish up our study today, our series today, called Called, Called to Action. And, you know, we've been singing a lot about faith this morning. And God is so faithful. We sang that song, Faithful You Are, Faithful You Will Always Be. And God has done His part. And so we must ask the question, what is our part? And our part is simply to respond to His faithfulness throughout our lifetime. And we call that perseverance. So we're going to wrap wrap up this series by talking about how we're called to persevere. We're called to keep the faith. Like Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There's this sense of fighting for our faith. And that's our part as we encounter uh, how how life can be hard. You know, I remember when I was in high school, I was in, in track, and I was on the 1600 relay team, and we were running up at Mount Baker, and I was one of the legs. I don't remember which one. And I ran so hard that when I crossed the finish line and handed off the baton, I passed out and fell on my face on the track, got all bloodied up and skinned up. But that's kind of the idea of perseverance. You run as hard as you can. You give it all you've got. And when you cross the finish line and you've handed off the baton, now's the time you can rest a little bit, okay? You can pass out in heaven. It's good for you. So perseverance, the idea of fighting and pressing and trusting Christ, even when there are obstacles and hard things in life. In fact, I will say to you today that that when hard things in life come, that is when perseverance really comes forth in our lives. That's when we really need to persevere. So we're talking this morning about persevering through the problems of life and how I believe that's really what perfects us. That's what makes us more like Christ, when we persevere through the problem. So I want to ask, what problem are you facing this morning? What trouble is in your life today? What disappointment hit you this week? What loss have you suffered? This is the time that we process our losses and we grieve well, but we also persevere. We press in. We let Jesus meet us where we're at. So when I think about perseverance, I think about Peter. Don't you? I mean, Peter persevered through a lot of stuff. He persevered through his past. Everybody has a past. Let me see your hand this morning if you have a past. All right, you didn't just miraculously appear in church this morning with no past. All of us have a past. Most of us would not like one another to know what it is. Everybody has a past. Peter did not let his past hold him hostage. He persevered through his past. Peter failed a lot. Peter failed a lot. I mean, he tried to talk Jesus out of going to the cross to save us from our sins. That's a pretty big failure in my book. Luckily, Jesus didn't, you know, fall for it. said, get thee behind me, Satan. Right. Called Peter Satan. Uh, He denied Jesus three times the night Jesus was arrested. But Peter persevered. He came back after his failure. He pushed through the pain and the loss. And then he saw Jesus arrested and beaten and crucified and put in a tomb. And imagine those three days that Peter endured when he didn't know the end of the story. And he didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus had told them, but they'd forgotten all about it. And so imagine those, those three days for Peter when Jesus was in the tomb. But then Jesus rises. But then Peter has to go through a, a whole nother time of abandonment. When Jesus goes to heaven, and, and sure, it was a wonderful thing for Jesus to go and send his spirit. But imagine the feelings that Peter had to go through when his Savior left him once again. And he had to face life 
in a new way. But Peter persevered through all these hard things of life because he hung on to what he believed and God empowered him to persevere. So there's this two-stroke engine we see in perseverance. We hang on and God empowers us. Those are the two things. Our faith and God's power is what really helps us persevere through life. So let's jump into 1 Peter this morning, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by His great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Let me just ask, who believes this? Let me see. Who believes this? Do you believe in the inheritance? This is why we persevere. We believe in the inheritance. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So we're saved, but we're going to receive in full our salvation on that last day. And perseverance is the pathway to this priceless inheritance. Perseverance is the journey that every single one of us in the room is on if we're committed to following Jesus. And at the end of that journey, God has a priceless inheritance for us, but it requires perseverance to receive it. Faith is what feeds my perseverance. Depending on God's power, it keeps my eyes on the prize. Faith keeps my eyes focused on what I can't even see. The eyes of my heart, the eyes of my faith. And perseverance means that I endure till the end. Come what may. There's a great term for you. Come what may. Even though. Those are great terms. Even if. Great terms to understand and say, I will endure amidst all those conditions. So perseverance, it's hanging on to hope, hanging on to Jesus, continuing to trust Him, putting my faith in Him over and over and over. In fact, faith is my investment in the inheritance. It produces perseverance. So I do believe that life is all about perseverance. I'm not really even a pessimist. I just know that life brings trouble. All you have to do is breathe for a day and you will discover life brings trouble. Amen? Let me just remind you, and you're, oh great, this is what I came to church for, right? Here goes Pastor Kurt again. We persevere through painful childhood memories. Anybody else? Can you say that? I have. I've had painful childhood memories. We persevere through marriages that are sometimes disappointing. And my wife and I would both say that's true in our marriage. But we persevere. We press on. We press through. We persevere through raising an at-risk child. That sometimes our children do things that are hard, hard to watch, hard to parent, and we persevere. We trust Jesus. We invite Him in. We persevere through disease. You know, I, I got another report this week from somebody I love that has been diagnosed with cancer. It just seems like every week there's another diagnosis. And yesterday I mentioned we had this beautiful memorial service right here in this room for Anya Rossiter. What a what an amazing woman who fought valiantly with cancer to the very end. Even though her body couldn't fight it anymore, her spirit continued to fight. But the fight changed, and she began to fight and contend and to persevere 
for this priceless inheritance. She began to, to place her eyes on Jesus more and more and more and less and less on this world. She persevered. She trusted Jesus to the very end. And now there's somebody else that needs to persevere, and that's her husband, Jim, as he learns how to do life without this beautiful woman who's been his partner for many years. And he now is keeping his eyes on the prize, his inheritance that has now changed the way that he does life without Anya. He'll need to be even more dependent on God than he was before. He'll need to trust God even more as he suffers the loss of his beautiful beautiful wife. And that's life. Right? That is what we do. We persevere through life. Every one of us in the room has trials. Doesn't matter how good you look. Doesn't matter how well you keep face. I can tell you that every single one of us in the room has a trial. If it's not your own, it's somebody that you love. And so we persevere through those trials. And what perseverance does is it focuses on the joy that's coming, not just on the problem that you're facing. That's what perseverance does. They're both there. It's not like we can live in denial and say our problem doesn't exist. But in the face of our problem, we focus on the joy that is coming. Really, perseverance is the greatest form of delayed gratification, right? It's waiting for what will come. Peter goes on in verse 6. He says, so be truly glad, truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Peter is normalizing this life. He's saying this is life. This is the way it is. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Listen, the day will come when the way that you've persevered will bring not only Jesus, but will bring you much praise and glory and honor for the way that you have persevered. And why do we do this? We do this because we love Him, even though we've never seen Him. Though you do not see Him now, you trust Him, and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. And here it is, the reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of of your soul. And you say, but I thought I had salvation now. And yes, it's true. You have salvation now. But the consummation of your salvation, the fullness of your salvation will happen when you see Jesus face to face and he completes that work in you that he has begun. And your salvation will come full circle to you. So perseverance, think of it this way. It's, it's sort of the proof of our salvation that we have now. As we hang on as we practice our faith as we trust in god's faithfulness as we invite jesus into our trials hanging on to hope it validates our salvation it lets the world know that yes they truly do believe in what they say they believe you know the fact that you love and trust jesus even though you've never seen him produces this deep joy in your life and how you live out of that love and trust of christ is evidence of your faith And so your faith grows and grows and grows as it is built. And the reward for remaining dependent on Jesus through trials and trusting Him is the salvation of your soul. So what is perseverance? It's simply staying true to the faithfulness that God has given you and the power that He's given you 
to trust in Jesus as you face the trials of life. So it shouldn't surprise us that we have trials. You know, if if you're surprised by your trials, I I just got to tell you, you believe something that's not true because we all have them. They're a part of life. And trials are designed for our faith to grow, but also to make us partners with Christ. Trials are designed to make us partners with Christ. We partner in his suffering when we endure the trials of life and we invite Christ into those trials. Peter goes on in verse 12. He says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. So our problems produce great partnership, first with Jesus Christ, but also with people in our life. Our problems produce great partnership. You know, as Jim struggles with life without Anya, it will draw him deeper into partnership with Christ. And the other thing that will happen is that it will draw people to him. Already, his table at the fire, a lot of them showed up at the memorial service yesterday to support Jim. You know, and they're going to be in his life as he moves forward. His church family, Anya's brother, she has big, three big brothers, like six, five. Three big brothers are going to come around him. He's going to experience partnership because of this problem, because of this trial that he's enduring in life. And I was thinking about our partnership with Jesus and, and entering into his suffering and how that works and how he identifies with us as we endure suffering. And I was thinking, you know, it makes sense. Jesus carried our sin on the cross, right? And carried the curse of sin. And I can surmise that he also carried the effects of sin. And I believe that he entered into that sin, that effect of sin. I mean, he felt the effects of sin as he carried that upon him. He endured the full curse, the full weight, and and God's full wrath for sin. So it would make sense to me that Jesus understands the very suffering that you're going through caused by the curse of the world. He understands it. He enters into it. And so we can enter into his suffering as well in a very practical way. That as we suffer, we understand better his suffering. And it provides this, you know, misery loves company. You know, you've heard that saying? That's probably not the right use of that. But it provides this connection with Christ that we really don't have in full until we go through trials in our life. And these trials, these problems produce partnership with Jesus as we take this journey in life. Have you noticed that life throws you problems? Anybody noticed that? I mean, like they come out of nowhere. A friend of, of many of us in the church named Christy Hutchins last week was walking across the street and tripped and fell and shattered her elbow. I mean, shattered it. She had to go down to Harborview. They had to piece her back together again. And, and Christy's like, she's probably the sweetest person I know. Honestly, she is so sweet. And she's the first to jump in and help if anybody needs help. And school was starting, and she's a teacher, and it was starting the next day, or you know, two days later. And so she was going to miss her first couple weeks of class. She was just undone. And how does something like this happen just out of nowhere to one of the sweetest people on the planet? You know what I mean? I mean, she really is. And so I stopped in to see her and brought her some flowers and just chatted with her for a few minutes. And there she was propped up in her chair and Pain pills and a Bible. I mean, that's a good combo, right? So good. 
you read the, the word differently, you know. And, uh, but there she was, trusting Jesus, not understanding the wise, not really even asking the wise, but just saying, I know that, that Jesus is doing something. And there she was inviting him, entering his suffering, um, you know, inviting him to enter her pain and her suffering and her, her heart, you know, as she missed her first couple of weeks of school. And that's, that's, like, that's like hard for her. She wanted to see those little kids, right? And, and so she was very sad, but, but there she was inviting Christ into her suffering. And her problem was producing partnership with him. It also produced partnership with a bunch of people. You know, she couldn't really cook for herself anymore or for her family. I went online the next day to try to find out how I could bring them a meal. You know, Hutch was such a great influence on my children in high school track, and I just wanted to help. So I went online. Meal train said, sorry, full, can't bring a meal. And, you know, such a great thing. Now people are partnering with her pain, and it's, it's giving people an opportunity to serve her as she has served so many. And that's what problems do. Problems provide partnership with Christ as we press into him and invite him in. But problems also provide partnership with people. And, and I'd like you to start, if you haven't, start to view your problems that way, is, is how can I invite people to help me with this problem? And one day you'll be able to turn around and help others with that same help you've received. And that's the nature of problems. That's what God likes to do with our problems. We become strong not only for ourselves, but we become strong for fellow believers in our life. And the very area that we received help, we begin to give help. That's the beauty of problems. Peter goes on and he says in verse 8, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm. Persevere against him. And be strong in your faith. And remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In fact, I would probably be able to say that your family around the world is going through much, much worse suffering than you are. And I'm not minimizing your suffering. Everybody's suffering has meaning to to us, right? But there are people that are going through horrendous, horrendous things right now simply for being a follower of Christ. So how do we stand firm? I want to give you four ways today to work on your perseverance. And many of you, you know this. Many of you, you do this. Many of you, you're, you're on the front lines of perseverance and you've been through very difficult things that God has, has used in your life, right? But some of us can grow in this thing we call perseverance. So here's the first thing. Number one, I persevere by being prepared, by preparing my mind for action. If you're going to persevere, you've got to be ready. If the devil really is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour, then you better be ready for him. Or you're not going to persevere. You're going to be lying in a heap, in a puddle, useless to yourself and useless to others. And you're not going to be able to make it through. And you're going to end up hurt and bleeding and not ready. So you've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared to persevere. If you're not, you'll be swept away. You'll ask questions like, how can God be good if he allowed this to happen? Christy could ask that question. Lord, I have served you so well. How could this happen to me? on two days before school, right? My kids need me. And so if you're not prepared, you'll ask those questions. You'll give way to discouragement and even to depression. And so we need to keep our minds prepared for come what may. And don't be surprised. In fact, I say 
The more you're serving God, the more you can expect the enemy to attack. So don't be surprised. The nearer you draw to Jesus, be prepared for a full frontal attack. The enemy hates us and hates Christ. So he'll do everything he can to destroy us. So we need to keep our minds prepared for problems because they're going to come. Peter goes on to say, prepare your mind for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope, put all your eggs in one basket. The gracious salvation that will come to you in Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you, but now you must be holy in everything you do. That just simply means live set apart from the world. Live differently than the world. Don't be like the world. You know, love the people of the world, but don't, don't join in on their sin. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. You must be set apart because I've set you apart. You must live differently. You must give people hope because of Christ in you. So how do I prepare? I'll tell you what I do. I fill my mind every morning. Rarely do I miss every morning with the Word of God. I fill my mind with some prayer time. I'm connecting with Him in a meaningful way. I prepare my mind just by being in His presence. I prepare my mind by reading and writing a psalm every day. I prepare my mind by going through the Scripture and and writing my response to that. Those of you who are part of my Bible reading program, you know that I do that every day. By the way, I haven't done it yet today because I was finishing this, but I will. Afternoon delight, right? And so, so I prepare my mind because I have to prepare my mind. If I don't prepare my mind, I, like you, will be swept away with those thoughts that I have. I am set apart. You are set apart by the blood of Christ. And that's what it means to be holy, to be sanctified by His blood, to realize that we are righteous in Him and to live as though we are righteous in him people who stay in sinful patterns in their lives simply have not prepared their minds for action they're focused on what they want now rather than living for this priceless inheritance that jesus has for us and i just want to mention that jesus really values the priceless inheritance it means a lot to him and he paid for it with his blood and so it's it's a valuable commodity to him and so he wants us to treat it as though it's valuable And to live in a way that we believe that it is really true. That there is a priceless inheritance waiting for us. And this requires self-control. Peter goes on to say in verse 17, Remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. Now, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to the church. So we can presume that this is the judgment for our works, okay? So that we need to really consider that God is going to judge us for our works. We're saved through Christ, but we're going to be judged for our works, the good or the bad we do in our body. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from your empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom. You've been bought back. It's, it's, he took your place. 
And so you don't belong to yourself anymore. He paid a ransom for you. He paid the price for you. And so we respond by living our life in a way that brings Him glory and, and, and living our life and doing things, doing works that are done out of a, a response of love to what He's given us. That's, that's what we do. So he, you chose Him as your ransom long ago before the world began. I'm sorry. God chose Him. But now in these last days, He's been revealed for your sake. What is this talking about? Here's what I believe more and more the older I get. That God wants us to live as temporary residents on this planet. And that I think the challenge for us is that we tend to view life as more permanent than we should. Life on the planet. We tend to view life on the planet as more, more permanent than heaven. Now I know, we know it's not. But we live as though it is. And God wants us to live as though this life is temporary and heaven is permanent because that is the truth. God wants us to live with eternity in mind. And I'm not saying don't enjoy life. I think we should enjoy life and raise your kids well and give them the best life that we can, but always live as temporary residents, moving more and more and more to investing in eternity and less and less and less in the temporary. It all makes sense if you believe this is true. The temporary is going to burn up. You're not going to get anything from what we invest in the temporary. But what we invest in the eternal, in the kingdom, there will be great rewards from Jesus Christ himself. And so it makes sense to invest in the kingdom. This is why we love. We love because he first loved us. This is why we serve. We serve because he came to serve, not be served. And so we serve like Jesus. This is why we give our time our talent, our treasure to build the kingdom, not just our own lives. And it's not even so much about the difference my giving makes. It's not even so much about about the outcome of my giving, talking time, talent, treasure. But it's really about my obedience. And it's really about my mindset that says, I'm living in view of the kingdom being permanent and this life being temporary. I'm a temporary resident of this planet. I'm going to go home soon. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going home to a better home. Amen? It's going to be good. You know, we were crying for Anya yesterday, but partly in our hearts we were very jealous that she has got to experience something now that we've, we all want to experience. In fact, she said to me one time, I'm kind of looking forward to the adventure of crossing over. I'm wondering what that's going to be like. I mean, that was that adventurous spirit that she had. And that's really, that's really the idea of living as a permanent resident of heaven and a temporary resident of here. Okay? Secondly, I persevere by placing my faith and hope in God. Peter says, through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you've placed your faith and hope in God. You've done that. That's a done deal. You've placed your faith and hope in God. Don't take it back again and place it in other things. Keep it placed in God. He's the only one you can trust. You can't trust Eddie Jones. You can't trust Merrill Lynch. Now, I invest. I make sure that we're set, you know, that we need to be set somehow. But I pay much more attention to the kingdom. 
I don't even think of, like, I don't even want to, ask my wife, I don't even want to know what's going on. I happened to glance last week and realized that we lost like a whole bunch of money last week, okay? Whatever. It's going to burn. You know what I'm saying? So the permanency, placing our faith and hope in God, that is where we need to live. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your hearts. Let me say that again. It's so worth it. Husbands and wives, friends, church people, neighbors, whatever it is, parents, children, love each other deeply with all your heart. For you've been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. This is the beauty of the gospel, that anyone can respond to the gospel, that anyone can make meaningful changes in our lives simply by loving deeply. That is the response that God is looking for. Anybody can place their faith and hope in God. So we persevere in marriage. We persevere in parenting. We persevere in our community, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods by loving, by helping, by serving, by letting people know they have value. And anyone can do that. Any one of us can love in a tangible way by giving our lives away. Anybody can make a meal for a lady that has a shattered elbow. Anyone can do that. Anybody can give a man a call who lost his wife or or take him out for coffee and just give some tangible love. Anybody can do that. We love each other deeply because we want what's best for one another. And perseverance brings that about. Brings us to number three today. Ultimately, I persevere by proclaiming the reason for my hope. And that's how I live my life. I proclaim by how I live, but I also proclaim by what I say. First Peter three thirteen. Peter says, Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. In other words, he says, Some of you will be persecuted, some of you will be put to death. Peter was. But in your heart, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. This is where we get our word apologetics. Defense, the reason of the hope that we have in us, being ready to talk about what we believe. This is why we're offering this class, Reasonable Faith, to help people be prepared in what they know about the Word of God and and who God is and, and how a loving God can allow pain on this planet, things like that, to be prepared. And what this proclaiming does in your life is it builds faith. You know, if you go through life never proclaiming what you believe, I would say it's possible you have a weak faith because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so the more we proclaim, the more our faith is built and the more our loyalty is built. The more you talk about Jesus, the more your love for Him grows and your faith grows. Does that make sense? Like we talk about our kids, we talk about our grandkids. We'll go on for days about our grandkids. Just get me started. I won't stop. I'll give you pictures. I mean, you know, you can have it all. But when it comes to Jesus, we seem to freeze. So what I'm saying to you today is that the more we proclaim Jesus in the Word of God, the more our perseverance is built, the more our faith is built. And you build faith upon faith upon faith. As it comes out of your mouth, it becomes reality in your life. And people hear from you. 
And they know that you're a lover of Christ. And that builds perseverance in your life as well. Finally, number four, last thing. Why do I persevere? I persevere to possess perfection. I want to grow. I want to become more like Christ. I want to be like Jesus. I want to love better. That's what it comes down to, the great commandment, right? So I persevere to possess perfection. I'm going to leave Peter and quote Paul this morning. Philippians 3.12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Would you say that with me today? I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Perseverance perfects us. As we hang on to Jesus, as we go through hard things, as we invite Him into our problems and our troubles, as we persevere, again, not not living in, in some way in denial that we say we don't have problems. No, embracing our problems, but inviting Jesus into them and relying on the power that God gives us. Our perseverance is built. And we do this because Jesus possessed us. Now, when I say possession, I'm not talking about those bad movies some of you have seen from the 70s. Not that kind of possession. No, I'm talking about owning us. That Jesus has ransomed us. He does own us. And if that indeed is true, then we live differently than we did before. And we press on to possess that for which we've been possessed. And if you're possessed by Christ, which you are if you're saved then you see yourself as owned by Him. And if you're owned by Him, then you press on in the midst of trouble to persevere, inviting Him to be your strength and your power as you go through life. That's what perseverance is, and it perfects us. But we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes on the prize. So possession means that we've been bought with a high price. We are owned. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. And so we press on to possess all that Jesus purchased for us. Perseverance produces something in us that we cannot receive any other way, I believe. Perseverance produces that great character that God brings about through perseverance. It produces that fruit of the Spirit in our life. It produces dependence on Jesus instead of dependence on ourselves or on the world. It produces this intimacy with Christ that you do not get any other way than when you have walked through the fire of loss or of disappointment or of deep fear in your life and you've come through the other side singed, bruised, smelling a little bit like smoke, but persevering, whole in Christ. And that's what it means to persevere. Jesus takes you through. There's an awareness of eternity. There's a longing for heaven that comes when you allow Christ to meet you where you're at and perseverance to have its way in your life. So what perseverance really does is it prepares us for His presence. Perseverance perseverance prepares us for His presence. To be in the presence of the living God for eternity. This is what perseverance produces in us. 
Now, the good news is that God doesn't leave this entirely up to you. Who could do this, right? Who could do this on our own? But God provides you with the power it takes to simply respond to His faithfulness. We talked about His faithfulness this morning, and that's what I'm talking about. I, I don't want you to feel like I'm talking about you've you got to work up a greater faith. You've got to work up a greater power. You've got to work up this perseverance. No, it's simply responding to His faithfulness and His power and what He has already done for us and receiving what He has for us no matter what you face. So I'd love it if you'd bow your heads with me this morning. Just stay seated for a moment. The worship team's going to come. and I just want to pray for you today where you're at. This is a message I preach to myself pretty much daily. Persevere, persevere, persevere. Push through, press on. Invite Jesus. That's my prayer for myself daily. I just want to pray that over you and over us today. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've provided for us. First of all, in salvation. First of all, in being cleansed. First of all, being forgiven made right with God, brought into relationship with our Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Where would we be without you, without your grace, without your love? But Lord Jesus, you've also provided us with power through your Holy Spirit, power to simply respond to your faithfulness. And it's not like the problems of life are going to disappear. They're not. But as we respond to you, as we invite you into our problem, into our trial, you're going to be faithful to walk us through. And you're going to build some things in us that were not there before. We're going to come out the other side more deeply dependent on you, more intimately in love with you. Because you have been faithful to us. God, I pray for individuals in the crowd today, for people for each of us that is facing a trial right now. And I just pray, God, that each of us would invite you into that trial and would allow you to walk us through and and we would place our trust in you. We would place all of our eggs in your basket, Lord. And we would allow you to take us through. Thank you, Jesus. We receive your power. We receive your ability to do this. We receive all that you have for us this morning, Lord, to persevere. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. We're going to close with some worship. This is the opportunity for you to just put the exclamation point on this thing we call perseverance. So worship with all your heart this morning. Let's stand.